Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Sometimes I think to myself that I wish I had a better story about how I became a Christian. Because my story is boring. I've always wanted to have one of those stories where I'm talking to this guy in an airplane and then all of a sudden the lights flash, the airplane is going crazy, everybody thinks that they're going to die and he's talking to me and he's telling me things and I just say, Lord, okay, I give up. And then the plane writes itself and I land and it's an exciting story. You know, hanging off the edge of a cliff, something that's much more fun than Well, I grew up in the church, and then I went to church until I was no longer forced to go to church, and then I stopped. And that just seems so boring. But the reality for many people is, especially for many people who are Christians, that's their story. Many people who've grown up in the church who grew up going to church, who grew up being forced to go to church until they were no longer forced to go and they made the decision that they weren't going to go. There's probably some of you who had a very similar story. So I stopped going when I was in my early 20s and um, I didn't go because I didn't have to. And there was a lot of fun things to do on the weekend. And I started going again. I got married and started going again. And I had kids and started going again. But I was one of those guys who went because it was what you're supposed to do. And not because I was really getting anything out of it. But then I moved to Florida. And while I was in Florida, God told a pastor who was there, who was living in the town that we were living in. We were living in a tiny little town. But God told this pastor to come to our house because I had no intention of going to his church. I was going to go to a church about 45 minutes down the road uh, because they had better food. (laughs) Hey, I'm just being real with you. Uh, And so that's where I had intended to go. And instead, this guy, he comes to our house and he says, hey, I would really like you to come and uh, give us a try. And he was only five minutes away, so we did that. And God told uh, another person, another pastor, to go and speak at a conference. And I happened to attend that conference. And that other pastor probably didn't know me, but God told him to go and speak at that conference, and I was one of the people that was listening there. And What I have seen in my life is that God has talked to different people. And sometimes he said specifically, go and talk to me. Sometimes he said specifically, go and talk to this group of people where I was there. And all of those things changed and influenced and completely just blew up everything that I had thought that I knew about God. And I ended up seeing who he really was because he specifically told someone to go and talk to me. And that is God. And if you're a Christian today, the reason that you are a Christian today is because someone in your life came to you 
because God told them to go. It might have been a parent. It might have been a sibling. It might have been uh, a teacher or a pastor. It might have been a complete stranger. But there was someone in your life who entered into your life because God said, hey, you need to go and you need to go talk to them. And, And when I say God said, I don't mean that there was an audible voice. Some people claim that they hear an audible voice. I've never heard God's voice. I figure that it's like kind of James Earl Jones-ish. Because that's just how I picture him. Uh, But I make room for the possibility that he sounds different. Uh, But I've never heard his voice. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there have been many times where I've felt this urging for him to do something. And that's that's how I feel like God tells me to go and do something. And so this is what God does. He goes and he says to somebody or he makes this, this, this thing inside you. And he says, you know, go, go talk to that person. Go and shake that person's hand. Go say hello to that person. Go give this person a call. Text them. It's their birthday. Do something. He urges us. There's something inside us that makes us move and that makes us go. And every single person who has come to God has come to God because someone said go. And if you're a Christian, then it's you're a Christian because someone said go. But if you are here today and you're not a Christian, if you are watching us online, you're not a Christian. Listen, the reason that you're here, the reason that that you're watching us is because someone in your life made you come. Someone in your life told you to go watch. Someone in your life was prompted by God to go. This is the kind of God that we are talking about. And he doesn't say just go, but he specifically is looking at you. And he said, you need to be there. And so he sent someone on that path and said, hey, you need to be there. You need to go. And what we're going to look at today as we continue our series, Raised to Life, what we're going to look at today is, is an encounter that someone had with another person that God said, you have to go. You have to go. And it's a guy and his name is Philip. Now, Philip was one of Jesus's followers. Philip was kind of a lesser known person, but in his, uh, in his um, prime, he started to become like a, you know, a pastor rock star. Uh, he was really popular. Everybody, everybody knew about Philip. And, and, and Philip had gone throughout an area in the world that was called Samaria. And Samaria was like a tough place to go. Samaria was the rough part of town. And Philip went there and he preached there and he planted churches there. And Philip, now he's in the town and people like him and people know him. And God is now going to come and tell him to go. And so we're in the book of Acts uh, and we're going to put these verses online uh, on the screen. Um, The book of Acts is a New Testament book and it's simply talking about the things that happened uh, after uh, right after Jesus, uh, the crucifixion, which is appropriate for us because we're one week off of Easter. And so we're talking about this and it's, it's in Acts. And this is how this, this, uh, this account happened. It says, as for Philip, and so Philip, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy that we've been talking about. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go. Now, if you're Philip and you're popular You're in the city. Everybody is starting to like you. You're building a great following. And God says for you to go. You're thinking, all right, I finally hit the big leagues. God is going to be sending me to the show. I'm finally going to get my chance. 
So the angel comes and he says to him, go. And he says, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is not a good gig for Philip. Because the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza is this dusty, dirty, isolated, hot, dry road. Nobody likes going down that road. There's no water. Very few people go there because it's very dangerous. People have died on this road from heat exhaustion. And Philip is thinking, do you not know who I am? I mean, just a few chapters before this, they're talking about Philip. And Philip is out there and he's doing miracles. He's healing people. He's preaching. People are getting saved left and right. And, and there was even this guy, and his name was Simeon, and Simeon was a sorcerer. Scripture actually describes him as a sorcerer. And he's trying to pay Philip to try to get this magic power that he has to heal people. And Philip is like, I, I, you can't buy this. But Simeon is following him around, and everybody knows Simeon, so everybody knows Philip. And Philip is thinking, why are you sending me of all places on this desert road where nobody is there? Well, that's where he sent him. So he says, okay. So he started out. And he met on the road the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, this verse has always confused me because in other translations, Kandake is spelled C-A-N-D-A-C-E, which... Any Full House star know, or Full House fan knows means is pronounced Candace, right? But this is—it's actually even though it's spelled that way, it's pronounced Kandake, and the Kandake is not her name; um, it is the title of the Queen of Ethiopia. Like Pharaoh was the title of the uh, ruler of Egypt, and so here's the Kandake. Uh, the queen of Ethiopia. An interesting thing, and this is important to know because in normally in other civilizations, the kings are, are passed on from son to son, from child to child. It's part of the heritage. That's who rules. But in this time and in this place that we call Ethiopia, which is not actually where Ethiopia is today, it's more like the south part of Sudan. But in this time, they believed that the king was a descendant of the sun. Not the father and son, but the sun that's in the air, uh, that's shining the light, that sun. That's what they believed. And so because they believed that the king was a descendant of the sun, he couldn't be bothered with silly little things like running the country. And as what normally happens, if the guy isn't going to step up and do what he needs to do, the woman takes over. And that's what it was in that civilization. It was the Kandake, the queen, the husband of the king, who ruled the nation. And the guy that Philip met was the treasurer. Now, where in every kingdom, in every country, the source of power is always in one place. Wherever the source of power is, that is where the money is. Right? The money, the resources, the wealth. All of that was given to this eunuch, 
eunuch. Just saying the word freaks me out a little bit. A eunuch is a person who has had their, a male who has had their genitals removed. And there was a very important reason that they did this. You see, they didn't have a bunch of eunuchs and find a treasurer among them. What they would do is they would find the smartest, the brightest person, the person who knew, who was educated, who knew how to handle money, who was wise, and they would find that person and then they would make them a eunuch. And the reason that they would do that is because they didn't want the the queen, the people who actually had the power, they didn't want the person who was holding the money, the person who was in charge, the person that they were going to be giving an immense amount of authority to, they didn't want them to do things on their own, to grow their own kingdom, to, to become greedy and try to create a family line that was going to, to uh, fight against their family line. So if you wanted to be the treasurer of the nation, if you wanted to have wealth like you could never imagine, power like you could never imagine, the cost was that's what you had to do. And so they had to make a decision. That person had to make a decision. They had to decide that I will not I'm going to make sure that right now I am the end of my family line. My family line, my heritage, my future ends with me. And I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to pay that price because I will become the treasurer. I will become the third most powerful person in all of my nation. And this man who had to have been intelligent, this man who had to have been powerful. This man made the decision to become a eunuch. And they gave up not just the immediate pleasure, but they also gave up their future. And that was a tough thing to do, but he did it. It goes on and it says that the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. So Here's this interesting thing that's happening, right? We have this Ethiopian person, and he has gone to to Jerusalem to worship. The only people that go to Jerusalem to worship are Jewish people. Now, what history tells us is that in this time, when Rome had come down and had pretty much taken over Jerusalem, that there were some Jews that had escaped Roman rule. They had migrated down into Ethiopia and had intermarried with the people there. So it wasn't completely unusual that there would be an Ethiopian who was interested in becoming a Jew or who maybe even converted to Judaism while he was in Ethiopia. But this particular eunuch, this particular gentleman had traveled all the way to Jerusalem, which is a far trip when you have a car. But he traveled all of that way and now he was heading back. He was heading back home and he went to worship because the reason that you go there is what the Jews believed was the temple was where you could see God's presence. And he wanted to go and get into God's presence. So he went into the temple. He went to Jerusalem because he knew that's where the temple was. So he's now on his way back and it says this. It says, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
Now, in a lot of pictures that have been, uh, or a lot of uh, paintings that have been made uh, of the of the eunuch, it's often showing him on a single chariot, uh, holding a book in one hand and and holding the reins of a horse in another hand. But this, while looks it looks really cool, is completely historically inaccurate, because this is the treasurer of Ethiopia. So when he travels, he's not traveling alone. He's traveling with a whole bunch of people. He's traveling with a bunch of lesser officers. He's traveling with servants. He's traveling with security guards. So this isn't one guy out off by himself. This is a whole huge group of people who were traveling down this road. And in his carriage, which would have been huge... It would have had a sun canopy over it. It would have had somebody walking along it with a jug of water in case he got thirsty. He's in this carriage and he's reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, we translate this into book, but they didn't have books back then. They had scrolls. And so he wasn't turning pages. He was like, you know, rolling pieces back and forth. And those things were huge. And Isaiah is a long, long book. So it was probably on two scrolls. And he's there, and he's reading aloud, because in that time, that's what they did. When they read, they read aloud. So he's carrying these scrolls, and they were probably written in Greek, because at that time, that's what they were writing everything in. It wouldn't have been in Hebrew, because even the Jews then were speaking Aramaic. They weren't speaking uh, Hebrew. And so he's there. And because Greek at the time was the language that everybody knew, he understood. He was reading it. And then it says this. Um, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Now think about this. Philip had to leave at a certain time. And the eunuch and his entire entourage of people had to leave at a certain time. Philip was in Samaria, but in order to get to that road, he went through Jerusalem. And this entire entourage of people were already in Jerusalem. And they all left at a certain time in order for them to meet at exactly that point. Exactly right there. Now, you know how complicated that is? I hate Google Maps. You ever use Google Maps? Google Maps, they give you an estimate of the time, and they'll say, okay, with traffic right now, it's going to take you 34 minutes. But Google Maps knows nothing about my life. Seriously, Google Maps doesn't know that I have to wait until everybody has their makeup on. Right? I have to wait until everybody's got their stuff. Oh, I forgot my jacket. I got to run back upstairs. Go get the stuff and come back down. I have to stop for gas. Now I need water. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that happen. And you never take 34 minutes to get to that place that Google Maps tells you is 34 minutes away. And yet this guy who's on foot is going to somehow meet up at the same time as this caravan that's going through the desert. Now, let me tell you something. Philip was farther away from that point than that caravan was. Which means Philip left before the caravan left. What I'm trying to, to, to get us on the same page with, on the same page about is this. Someone had to orchestrate all of that 
to make sure that on this deserted road, Philip would be right exactly where that carriage was at the, at the exact right time that they had to be there. You see, if Philip had to stop and wait till everybody had their makeup on, he would have missed them. If the carriage had to stop and refill for water, they would have missed Philip. Everything happened at the right time for them to meet at the exact right spot. Someone had to figure out that all of this had to happen in just the right time. So it goes on and it says, Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He heard him reading. And Philip, because he was a good Jewish man, and a good Jewish man in that time would have memorized all of the prophets. He would have known that he was reading from Scripture and that he was reading from Isaiah. And so he walks up beside him and Philip asks, now think about this. You are a government official. You are in your carriage. It's a hot day. You're reading a book. And all of a sudden, someone from outside runs up to your car and says, hey, hey, do you even understand what you're reading? Because that's what he says. It says, Philip asked, do you even do you understand what you are reading? So he's running up to the the thing. He's listening to the guy talk. And the guy says, do you understand what you're reading? Now, if it was me and I'm reading this book and I don't understand what's going on. And some guy runs up to my car and says, do you even know what the heck you're reading? I would be really angry. I would be frustrated. But this is not how this guy responded. It says, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And when I read these words, when I, when I see him struggling through, trying to understand the prophet Isaiah's words, and I see him trying to figure out what all of this means, his how can I is not a how can I. No, it's a how can I that has some hopelessness in it, some, some, some feeling of, of inferiority because he should be able to understand it, but he can't. And he's frustrated and he says, how can I? Unless someone instructs me, unless someone tells me what it means, unless someone says, hey, this is what it's about. You see, because what he was reading was not history. History is easy to read. Because history already happened. What he's reading in Isaiah is prophecy. It was telling the people at that time what was going to happen. And so it says that when, when, uh, when he says this, it says that, and he, and this is the eunuch, he urged Philip to come up and sit into the carriage and sit with him. There was something about Philip. That when this person, when this man looked at Philip, he said, there must be something about you who are running along the side of my carriage. There's something about you that maybe you know what's going on in this book that I'm trying to read. So he says, come on up here and sit with me. And then it goes on and it says that the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. And this is what the what the eunuch had been reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And when we read that, even now when we read this, our natural question to ask is, who is he? Who is this? 
isn't it? Because it's talking about this guy, and, and we're trying to figure out, okay, who is it? Who is this guy who did all of these things? And that was the exact question that the eunuch asked, too. He says this. He says, the eunuch asked Philip, Philip tell me, who, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Now, remember, the eunuch had just come out of Jerusalem. And if he was in Jerusalem and he was asking people, who was the prophet talking about? Some of them would have said that, yes, he was talking about himself. Some of them would have said, no, he was talking about Israel. Some of them would have said, no, he's talking about the prophet, uh, about the Messiah that was prophesied, but hasn't yet come. And here was this guy who's reading this book that he has the intelligence to read, but he doesn't understand. And he goes all the way to this place that's completely different from the land that he was in. In the land that he came from, he was a very, very important person. But when he went to Jerusalem, he was lower than the lowest class of Jew that was there. Because just from the way he looked, everybody knew that he was a foreigner. And the Jews automatically assumed that if he was a foreigner, that he wasn't Jewish. And then they would have known, because the buzz all around would have been around him, they would have known that not only was he a foreigner, but because he was a eunuch, he couldn't be circumcised. And in that time, if you couldn't be circumcised, which was the, the way that the Jews would know that you were a, a, a Jew, that you had converted to Judaism, was to be circumcised. But he couldn't be. And in that time, the, what all of the, the people believed was, was that if you had any kind of physical deformity, that you were considered unclean. And so being unclean, you could never enter into the temple. For that, it meant that he could never enter into the presence of God. That all of the things that happened to him, all of the decisions that he made in his life, everything that brought him to that place, got him there. But because of all of the things that he had done, and because of all of the decisions that he had made, he would never, ever be able to be in the presence of God. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? To look back on your life, to, to, to now be this close and know that you could get into the presence of God and know now that because of the decisions that you've made in the past, because of the things that you have done before, because of the things that, that made you who you are today, that you could never, ever get in with God, that there would always be something that kept you away from God. That's what the eunuch was facing. That's what he understood it to be. He made these decisions. He made these choices. And they would permanently, permanently keep him away from God. And so Philip now, and, and we don't know much about what the conversation was like. And uh, we're going to go right to Isaiah 56.3. And so as, it, what, I mean, to, uh, no, to verse 35. So beginning with this same scripture. And so this is what, what, scripture, what, what scripture tells us happened. Is that after 
the eunuch asked Jesus, I mean, asked Philip that question and said, okay, I need to understand who is this guy talking about? So Philip now talks to him. And it says, so beginning with this same scripture, that same scripture in Isaiah 53 that he was reading, that same scripture that told him about a lamb that was being led to, to slaughter. He says, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And he would have gone through from Isaiah 53, that 53rd chapter, and he would have kept reading. And what he would have run upon as he was reading is in Isaiah 56, it says this. It says, don't let the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, that was what he was. He was a foreigner. And that was one of the things that kept him away from the temple. It kept him away from God's presence. And now he's reading the prophet and the prophet says this. He says, listen, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. He says, don't let them say that. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one and it will never disappear. And then Philip would have told him about Jesus. He would have told him about All of these prophecies that Isaiah wrote about hundreds of years before being fulfilled in this guy named Jesus. And he would have told him exactly what happened with Jesus. And if this Ethiopian eunuch had any kind of power or authority, if he'd ever been in any of that place, he would have heard about this prophet that had caused an uprising, that had been killed. And the rumor was that he came back to life. So he would have been a little bit familiar with it. But Philip told him, Philip would have told him all of these things, that it wasn't about a prophet that was yet to come. It was about a prophet who had come and he wasn't just a prophet, but he was God in flesh that he came. And all of these prophecies from the prophet Isaiah, all were fulfilled in his life. And he would have ended it with this one question. Do you believe? Do you believe? Because all throughout the scripture, what we see is that that was the question that was asked. It wasn't, are you good enough? It wasn't, are you ready? The question was, do you believe? And that's how Philip would have ended that talk with him. He would have said, do you believe? And we don't know how that person would have answered, but we can only assume by what happened next. In verse 36, it says this, as they rode along. They're riding along this desert road. Now think about this. This desert road is known to have no water at all. But it says as they rode along, they came to some water. There shouldn't have been water there. But as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. And then he asks this question. So why can't I be baptized? Why can't I be baptized? Why can't I have what you have just been talking about? Why can't I be baptized? 
And in this phrase, this, this question, I see him going from that hopelessness that he had before about how can I understand it to now understanding. And he's got this hopefulness. Wait a second. Hold on. If I'm listening to everything that you've said, if I'm understanding what you're trying to tell me, then why can't I be baptized? Why can't I? You see, he couldn't be circumcised, but he could be baptized. And baptism was, was for, for them, it was the great equalizer. See, back then, women couldn't get circumcised, but they could be baptized. And by changing the, the requirement from circumcision as a sign to being part of God's people to baptism, it now allowed everyone to be included. Man or woman, deformed or, or not deformed, anything at all. He says, listen, if you believe, you can be baptized. And he says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And there was no reason why he couldn't be. And so he orders the carriage to stop. And this is the eunuch because he's the one who's in charge. He orders the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him right then and there. Now, listen, I know that some of you have grown up in different religious traditions But I want you to get this. There was no class that he had to pass to get baptized. There was no test that he had to score high enough in order to be baptized. Philip sat with him in his limousine and talked to him about Jesus. And he made the decision that he wanted to be baptized. And Philip baptized him right then and there. Right then and there. And it goes on to tell us this. It says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Because you know what? Philip was done with what he had to do there. And then it says, and the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Now, the only time I ever hear the word rejoice is at Christmas time. And it's always on a Christmas card or it's in a song that we sing. Rejoice, rejoice. And so sometimes I think we don't get what rejoicing means. See, rejoicing is not the feeling that we have when the 49ers finally win another Super Bowl. Rejoicing isn't the feeling that we have when the Warriors win another championship. Which it looks like. Rejoicing isn't even the feeling that we have when when we hit the lottery. Those are all great things, but that's not when we rejoice. You know when we rejoice? When we ask her to marry us and she says yes. That's when we rejoice. You know when we rejoice? We rejoice when the, when the, the, the four person stands up and says, we find the defendant not guilty. That's when we rejoice. You know when we rejoice is when we get the call from the doctor and the doctor says, you're cancer free. That's when we rejoice. And see, this is the kind of happiness that the eunuch had. He wasn't just excited. He was rejoicing. Because everything that he thought about him that would forever keep him away from God. Everything that he had been told. That he would never be able to get close to God. All of those things. He found out that none of that mattered. That once he was bad, once he made the decision, 
Once he said, I believe, he was baptized, and that was it. He was in. That's all it took. Christian tradition tells us that this man's name was also Simeon. I love this because I don't know how they planned all of this out, but the same sorcerer who made Philip famous was named Simeon. And then the man that he met on that empty road was also named Simeon. And he went on to found the church in Ethiopia. And the man who could not have children of his own was the father of the Christian church for an entire nation. All because he heard about Jesus and he made the decision to believe. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.